The Vape Passion Show, episode 29. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is episode 29. I'm recording this on Saturday, August 13th. So with vaping now officially considered a tobacco product, uh, something I've been worried about lately is how YouTube or other networks are going to consider the content, uh, vaping content on those channels. Mainly for me, I'm worried about YouTube taking down my videos. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I haven't heard anything like that happening, but you never know with YouTube. So I don't have any backups of my videos because they're just so large. The files are so large that I just don't, I don't save them. Um, but maybe I should pick up a, an external hard drive or something so that I can have those all backed up in case YouTube does decide to take them down. I do have backups of all my podcasts though, at least because those files are much smaller. So if anything, at least I still have those. I've also heard of Facebook group pages have changed to secret so that they can't be found unless you actually know the page URL. So it does sound like people are pretty worried about their pages on Facebook. I haven't done anything with mine yet. So yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, as for reviews, I recently recorded a review of Pound It from Bonsai Vapors. It's a lemon pound cake flavor and Tia Vapes, she talks about it all the time. And Bonsai was having a big sale, so I picked it up. Uh, it's really good actually. I'll, I'll probably have that review out in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then unfortunately, eSigAvenue.com, they went out of business. And they say, if you go to the website now, it says it's because it was due to the FDA regulations. So that's really too bad. But in order to get rid of everything, I think they were trying to get rid of it all before the 8th, August 8th. So they had everything on 70% off. Um, I heard about the sale a little bit too late. So there wasn't a whole lot of stuff left. But I still got some e-juice and uh, a couple of mech mods. So I got Slaughter Pop from Lost Art Liquids and this is actually something I've really been wanting to try for a long time so I'm really excited to have picked that one up and then I got uh, Vanilla Custard from Daisan Gen I think is how you say it and this isn't something I've heard of before but I've been really interested in custards lately so I picked that one up and then I also got two flavors from Enjoy uh, I'm a big fan of Enjoy's artist collection and these are two flavors I haven't tried yet so I'm really excited to try these one is called Sacre Coeur, and the other one's called Dragonscape. Uh, Dragonscape is Indian Spice, Asian Tea, Belgian Cafe, and English Custard. And Sacre Coeur is Wild Berry, Rhubarb, European Custard, Almond Tort, and Bourbon. So really interesting flavors. And something I found with the Enjoys Artist Collection is that they're very, very unique and intricate flavors. Like, they're just really good. I think one of the reasons all of these good flavors were still left is because they're zero milligrams. So... Um, I'm just going to add my own nicotine to them, but I'm excited to get those. And then as for the mech mods that I got, they're all clones, but so I got the Tobacco Chi Yu, really nice looking uh, mech mod. And I got the limited edition Cartel 26650 clone. And I also got the Cartel limited 18650 clone. Very nice looking mech mods. I haven't tried any of them yet, but... Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to try those. And then last week, I actually forgot to talk about this in my last show, but I already had it. I ordered the Heat Vape Invader Mini, and I, I got this for only $10 on eFun.top. And they actually, I'm pretty sure they still have the sale going. Uh, last I checked, uh, last night actually, um, they've been running the sale on these for like two weeks now. So they must have a bunch of getting rid of. Um, $10 for a $60 mod. It's 50 watts temperature control. Um, I actually haven't tested temperature control yet, so I don't know how well it works or what uh, 
types of wire it supports. It, this is a pretty. This is when temperature control was first getting popular, so it might only be nickel, but um, for ten dollars, you can't beat that price. It's a it's like a really durable mod and it's waterproof. So um, I think it's worth 10 bucks for sure. I've been using it and I've been enjoying it. And then as for some upcoming reviews, I actually got some e-juice from gvapors.com. So they are a budget brand, but they have really good reviews that I've seen online. And uh, they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do a review. So they sent me blackberry yogurt, strawberry banana twist, which is strawberry banana and peach. And then they also sent me one called dank sauce. And that one is a marshmallow key lime pie. So a uh, really interesting flavor. So yeah, as you can see, I got a lot of stuff to to review and try out and I have no shortage of, of things to record. So yeah, today I'm gonna go to a beer fest, uh, not far from where I live, well, maybe 30 minutes away, but um, me and my brother, we're gonna go to a beer fest. There's something like 100 vendors. Um, I think they're all local Colorado craft beer companies. So that should be fun. Um, I, that's why I have to record this right now because I'm definitely not gonna be able to record this tonight when I get home. Uh, and I probably won't be feeling like recording this tomorrow. So yeah, I'm excited to do that. And uh, I guess uh, as for updates, that's really about it. So let's get into some of the news. Okay, so as you know, as most of you know anyway, the deeming regulations are now in effect. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about how things have changed, if at all. And uh, really not a whole lot has changed, but I, I was keeping an eye on um, various Facebook groups and threads and forums and things like that to see what people were talking about on that day, on August 8th. And uh, one in particular was the Safada Colorado chapter, which I follow. And I noticed that there were a lot of vendors asking questions. Um, people are very confused. Uh, vendors, vape shops, they're, they're very confused about what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. For example, one of the things that I, I saw mentioned, one of the first things in that morning that I saw mentioned was uh, someone asking if they're allowed to split up uh, five pack of coils to sell just one coil. And I saw on another group saying that you couldn't, that you that's not allowed. Oh no, that was an email from a vendor that I got that said they were no longer allowed to split up coil packs. But according to Safada, you are. So everyone is getting different advice here. Uh, I would trust Safada. And I saw another, another vendor mentioning that it was a whole new experience for them uh, that day because they had a, customers come in and they couldn't help them. They, I mean, they could help them, but they weren't allowed to touch anything, any of the, the customer's devices. So this longtime customer came into this guy's shop and uh, wanted help building his coils. Well, the shop owner, he wasn't allowed to do that, obviously, uh, with the new regulations. So he actually had to coach him throughout the whole process. Everything from disassembling the tank, cleaning it out, reassembling it with a new coil. And yeah, and then they had another guest come in and, and buy a new setup and uh, they weren't allowed to put that together so they had to coach him on how to do that and actually that brings up another th point according to safada as long as it's a kit you are allowed to put it together uh, because it is a kit that all goes together so you can show a customer how to use a full kit but yeah obviously you can see vendors are pretty confused about what they can and can't do i also saw a lot of people talking about how they were uh, reached out to by local news stations because all of the news stations wanted to interview vape shop owners. Uh, I don't know how it went in other states or cities, but at least in Colorado, Safada was telling everybody not to do any interviews because 
you know how the media is. They'll twist your words. Uh, not good for any vape shop owners to have done that. And I didn't actually, I, I meant to watch the news that night and I didn't. I really, I was positive that there was going to be something vape related on the news and I wish I would have remembered to watch it. Yeah, really not a whole lot in regards to uh, the actual day, deeming day. Um, just a lot of confusion, really. And there's still a lot of confusion. You'll see that a lot on the forums. Um, something I wanted to talk about is the age, new age verification stuff that everyone had to implement on their websites. Mount Baker Vapor actually put out a blog post talking about how uh, they've implemented uh, a very well-known age verification service called BlueCheck. And a lot of people are actually pretty upset with this service, um, but a lot of vendors are using it. You need to provide your name, date of birth, phone number, and your last four digits of your social security number. That's what people are freaking out about. and. Uh, I am too. I, I I think social security number, even if it's the last four digits, that's crazy. Um, so a lot of people are actually feeling the same way and uh, they're not purchasing from any vendor who uses blue check. Mount Baker Vapor does mention here that this is a one-time process. So once you're in the blue check system, you don't have to verify yourself again uh, with any vendor from what I understand, anyone, any vendor who uses blue check. Mount Baker Vapor actually says here that without the first five numbers of, of your social security number, no one can do anything with it and that your information is safe and secure. But from what I've been reading online, uh, the first five numbers are actually not very important. It's publicly available information based on where you live and things like that. It's the last four numbers that are really important that you want to, you don't want anyone to have. So I don't really know, but I don't want anyone to have any of my social security numbers. Something else that people have been complaining about with this blue check service is that you have to send in a photo ID uh, with a picture of yourself holding it. So a selfie holding your ID and you have to wait for verification to happen. Uh, they, blue, uh, Mount Baker Vapor says that it should take about five minutes, but I've been re hearing stories online where people are saying it's taking you know, up to an hour or they're not getting any verification at all, or they're actually getting uh, notifications saying that they're not approved, even though they're clearly over the age of you know, 50. Um, so a lot of problems there, technical issues. Another drawback of blue check is that um, that whole thing about uh, taking a selfie that has to be sent in using your phone, a cell phone, SMS. So if you don't have SMS on your phone, or if you don't have a smartphone that can send photos, then you're out of luck. You can't get verified. And what a lot of people on Reddit have been talking about in regards to BlueCheck is BlueCheck's um, privacy policy, which, if you read it, is pretty concerning. It says, for example, it says here, we may disclose personal information that we collect or you provide as described in this privacy policy they'll send this information to their subsidiaries and affiliates, to contractors, service providers, and other third parties, to a buyer or a successor in the event of a merger or reorganization or dissolution of the company. And they also say that we do not control third parties collection or use of your information to serve interest-based advertising. And I saw someone comment here on this on this Mount Baker Vapor post that they're already getting spam from Blue Check and their affiliates and they only submitted their order the night before. So pretty much immediately you, you can expect to get spammed, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm really not a fan from what I hear of Blue Check. I'm not a fan and uh, I definitely will not be purchasing from any vendor who uses Blue Check. The other alternative is Veritad. Now Veritad is much less in invasive. Pretty much all you have to do is submit your name and birthday. And uh, I think maybe if there are questions uh, using Veritad service, if, if they do have questions regarding who you are, for example, if you're 
your name doesn't match the address that they have on file or something like that, which is, I, from what I understand is a very, very small percentage of people. Those people might have to do a little bit more work to get verified, and that might require submitting your last four numbers of your social security. I'm not sure. I just saw that on, their, on Veritad's website. But in most cases, uh, and nearly all cases, all you have to do is submit your name and birth date. No one has put together a list yet of which vendors are using Blue Check and which vendors are using Veritad because it's just so new. You know, it's going to take some time to actually figure all this out. But in the meantime, I actually have a lot of experience, like I mentioned before, in internet marketing, and which means I also have a lot of experience in advanced searching in, in Google. So you can use an advanced search query to help you find vendors that are using Veritad. I put together a link that you can search in Google and what it does is it searches for the words Veritad on a website and the word vape so that you can find all vape websites using the word Veritad. Um, it, it subtracts the word blue for blue check and uh, nothing from Reddit or Facebook because uh, a lot of people are talking about blue check and Veritad so you can get a lot of messy results. So if you use this search query you can get a, a more cleaner search results looking for vape shops that are actually using Veritad. You can also just search for Veritad vape. I found that you get some pretty good results with that too. It's a, a little bit messier and you have to dig through some search results to find what you're looking for, but it's actually pretty good too. But yeah, I'll have this link in the show notes if you want to use it. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about the whole Indian Indiana stuff going on. As you might have heard, they only have seven e-juice manufacturers that are allowed to sell it within Indiana and they're all under the control of one security company, Molhops. So what happened is that in 2015, a law was passed that required security companies to look over e-liquid manufacturers. Uh, the law required very, very specific requirements of those security companies, so specific that only one company qualified, and in the, in the whole United States, qualified to do this job. And interestingly enough, it was a Indiana-based company, Lafayette, in, from Lafayette, named Molhops. And uh, they, People say that they had lobbied for this to happen, so it was all planned. Um, Molhops claims that it wasn't, that they didn't lobby for it, but uh, it's a little questionable about that. Something else weird about that was that uh, for that security company, whatever security company had to be approved, they also had to hold a certificate from a group of which Molhopt himself, the owner of Molhopt, is a president of. So yeah, uh, very, very shady things going on there. So anyway, Molhopt had control over who was allowed to sell e-juice in their state, and he only selected seven people, seven manufacturers, uh, only three of which I believe are actually manufacturing e-juice. The other four, or maybe four of them, the other three are not yet selling e-juice. So the latest update on this is that Molhops has just announced their billing structure for these companies, and their billing is now based on the amount of production they make, which is a very weird way of billing companies. Evan McMahon, who is a chairman of Hoosier Vapors, which is an advocacy group who represents small shops in Indiana, he stated, I find it odd that a company that provides base service would be char charging customers based off how much they produce. And Bill Nelson, who uh, he is an officer for the Electronic Security Association of Indiana. It's a trade group of security firms. He has also said that charging by volume is highly unusual. Doug Molhop's excuse for this new billing structure is that there, his, his employees are out in the field auditing these e-juice manufacturers on a regular basis, and their production levels directly affect those costs. He said that the volume of a customer affects how much time is required for their auditors to log and weigh every barrel and container of e-liquid. 
And he says that also because of more production, there's more security video to analyze. It's a very not believable excuse. It sounds like he's just taking advantage of these companies. Okay, and uh, the next story here is some news about a Pennsylvania lawmaker proposing a new tax in Pennsylvania to help vape shops stay open. Chris Hughes of Fat Cat Vapor Shop in Pennsylvania is working with Representative Jeff Wheland to replace the f- current 40% tax uh, with a $0.05 cents per milliliter tax, uh, which would be much less than that 40% tax and would actually allow a lot of these businesses to stay open. This $0.05 cents per milliliter tax is similar to what already exists in North Carolina and Louisiana. So they're really trying to get this passed um, and approved before October 1st, which is when the 40% tax will take effect and pretty much shut every shop down. Uh, if they don't get it passed by then, most shops will already have gone under and uh, it's not going to be very helpful. But uh, Representative Jeff Wheland, he sent an email out, a memorandum out to all House members, and in it he talked about how damaging the 40% tax is and you know how it's going to close small businesses and lay off so many workers, how due to that tax revenues are going to fall short of what they are estimating. And he's saying that his five cents per milliliter tax to, rep- to replace the 40% tax would protect small business owners, would generate tax revenue, and keep cigarette alternatives on the market. So um, I really hope that happens for those Pennsylvania residents because that would be huge. All right, now let's talk about some new products. Uh, the first one I want to talk about here is the Pico Squeeze. This is a new product from eLeaf, and it's another squonker. So you're really starting to see a lot of squonkers hitting the market right now. And uh, a, a lot of people really loved the, the original Pico, which just came out like, I don't know, a month or two ago. Very new, and a lot of people liked it. And uh, so now here's the squonker version of the Pico. It's $45, and I think that it's really cool that all these companies are starting to come out with squonking devices because it's nice to have something, uh, a nice, affordable introduction to squonking to see if you like it or not. Uh, You can get this in black, silver, white, gray, and hot pink. They are 50 watt max. You can go down to 0.15 ohms up to 3.5 ohm coils. It takes one 18650 cell that you need to buy yourself. It doesn't come with it. And it comes with a coral atomizer uh, looks like a, it's just a, a very basic RDA. Uh, it's a two-post deck. And the squonk bottle can hold 6.5 milliliters of e-liquid. So that's a cool-looking device. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is the Smoketech power engine. Um, this one is a 400-watt mod from Smoke, which is just ridiculous. I mean, who needs 400 watts? Who needs 300 or even 200 watts? The power engine is powered by four replaceable 18650 batteries, gives you 400 watts of maximum power output, and it has a micro USB port to support firmware updates. There's really not a whole lot known about this. Smoke it on Smoke's website, they don't even talk much about the features. It supports 0.1 to 3 ohms in variable wattage and 0.06 to 2 ohms in temperature control. So it is a temperature control mod. Um, Probably not a whole lot more than that, but if you're looking for 400 watts of power, there you go. Something really interesting about both of those devices is that they came out after deeming regulations, so it does look like companies are not going to care too much about those regulations. They're going to continue coming out with products, obviously, because United States isn't the only country who who vapes you know they there are many other countries and i think they're probably also expecting that individuals are still going to order from china so they're still going to get business something else i also heard about that is a lot of these companies they created a ton of these products already in the last couple of months 
and they had actually been selling them just not very publicly so um, that was to get them on the market and then hold off for a while so they can start releasing them over the next couple of months so technically they have they were released before the 8th and were available for sale it's just that no one knew about them or where to buy them so uh, a little trick there I guess that these Chinese companies were doing so you'll probably still notice new products coming out in the next couple of months that actually do meet the requirements of those deeming regulations uh, and then I want to talk about this other uh, it's a tank it's a dripper tank from rip trippers and this is called the Faro. It's a tank, it's a collaboration between Digiflavor and Rip Trippers. A lot of people are actually calling this Rip Trippers first tank, and uh, which is not true actually. Rip Trippers has actually uh, created one of the first RDAs on the market. Uh, this was in back in 2012. He released it in the US. It was called the AC9. Uh, it, it was released in May of 2012 or it was created in May of 2012 and, re and launched to the public later that year. And it was actually very successful and one is one of the most sought after vaping devices on the market for about eight months after it launched, according to Rip Tripper's website and from what I also what I've heard from other people on older videos. So yeah, it's, uh, he's not lying about that. It was also one of the first rebuildable vaping devices that were cloned from China, and the clone of that was called the RSST. Yeah, Rip Tripper, is a, he's a pioneer in the industry, really, and uh, now he's come out with his second tank. And I don't know if you've seen any videos of it yet, but it looks really cool. Uh, very innovative. It has a new clamp build deck, and uh, which I've seen a lot of companies starting to do now with RDAs. Uh, the difference here is that it has springs, so it's a spring-loaded clamp deck, and which he says it makes it easier to build coils in. This one has a slip plate so that you can close the juice hole and uh, I guess it allows it to wick to your preferences. I'm not sure or maybe it's to prevent linking. I, I don't really know. It has triple bottom airflow holes that go straight to the coils uh, designed to give you more flavor and it has clicking position airflow control. It comes with a Delrin drip tip, an anti-spitback drip tip, and a 510 drip tip adapter. This is a 25 millimeter tank, so you'll need a larger mod unless you don't mind it hanging over on any of your uh, smaller mods. And it has a two milliliter juice capacity, which is pretty good for an RDA. So yeah, it's a very cool looking atomizer. And uh, I'd imagine that if it's from Rip Trippers that it probably performs pretty well. I would hope so anyway. You never know with these collaborations though. You know the person with the idea, like Rip Trippers or Matt from Suck My Mod, they come up with the idea and they work with these companies to create it, but they don't have full control over the creative process. And you really never know what the final product will be. So even if it does, if it's not the best thing in the world, I don't know if I would hold that against Rip Trippers, but it looks pretty cool and uh, very clean nice uh, very nicely engineered I think you can get it for about fifty dollars alright and now this next product I want to talk about is called the Avid Artisan Daedalus uh, this is a Clapton wire builder you have a stand where you can feed your wires through it holds it in place while a drill which is basically like a large box mod with a drill on the end of it instead of an atomizer that that spins the wire and uh, it looks like it's really easy to create Clapton wires and uh, they're the, this company they've been producing a couple of videos very long videos but uh, showing how to create things like alien wires 
using their device. It looks really cool and really easy to use. The problem is though, is that it's 80 bucks. $80 is a lot of money for something like this, in my opinion, and uh, I, I don't have any plans to order one, but uh, if you have the money to burn on something like that, uh, go check it out. Look up their channel on YouTube. They're just, you can find them on Avid Artisan, one word. All right, now let's talk a little bit about some health research. Uh, I came across this study recently done that looks at sucralose. This study was conducted at the University of Campinas in Sao Paulo, Brazil and they show that sucralose can become unstable and release potentially toxic compounds when heated to 98 degrees Celsius. That would be 208 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's already research that had shown that sucralose degrades at high temperatures, not typical in daily life, but they found that this also occurs at 98 degrees Celsius, a temperature that can easily be reached when cooking food. When the researchers at Unicamp heated the sucralose in a water bath for about two minutes, they observed that organochlorine compounds were released, both in the gas produced by boiling and in the solid phase. This class of compounds is considered potentially toxic and ha has a cumulative effect on humans. In the gas, they observed the presence of hydrochloric acid, which can be an irritant if inhaled, and uh, these mutagenic and carcinogenic properties, such as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, PAHs, they're well established in scientific literature. The experiment that they performed was using technical grade sucralose, which is used by pharmaceutical and food industries. They say that it's a little different than sucralose you buy from the supermarket because the consumer version contains additional ingredients, which gives it more body. The researcher, he explained that these ingredients might actually protect sucralose from degrading by heating, or they may boost its toxic effects. They, they don't really know, so that's something they hope to figure out in the future. I don't really know what to take away from that. There might be some potential dangers with uh, vaping e-juices that have sucralose, or there might not be. Uh, we really don't know. Something to note though, uh, this study mentioned that this happens at 98 degrees Celsius or 208 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, something I read recently, and I can't find it, I, I tried to find it before talking about this, but when you vape, your coils might get to, you know, 800, 1200, or higher temperature, but that actually doesn't translate to the e-juice. What happens is that the coils get that hot, but the, the transfer of heat vaporizes the e-juice before it reaches that temperature. So, I don't know if there's actually any concern there, but... I suppose it is something to keep in mind. Yeah. All right, so now I want to talk a little bit about some topics I came across in some forums. Uh, this first one was from, from vapingunderground.com and it's titled Tooth Discoloration. This person is asking if anyone has noticed their teeth staining after vaping and uh, that's because he is actually getting stains on his teeth after vaping. He says it's not permanent. Uh, it brushes off uh, when he brushes his teeth. But uh, for him, the offender is a sweet cheesecake yogurt-based Max VG e-liquid. He says it makes one of his teeth very dark. Uh, he says that he, the enamel of his teeth are actually prone to discoloration anyway, but um, he's wondering what it is in e-juice that is causing this. There weren't really any responses explaining why it's happening, but I have heard that nicotine can stain teeth. It does seem to be not as bad as smoking cigarettes, not nearly as bad from what I've seen online. Uh, and like this guy mentioned that it just brushes right off. So it, it, uh, d at this point, it doesn't seem to be a serious issue, but I've never, I haven't noticed any of my teeth staining after vaping. And I'm wondering if actually this guy, maybe he's, his RDA or his atomizer is spitting e-juice into his mouth and maybe that tooth that's, that's discoloring is where he holds the mouthpiece. Uh, it could be something like that. I don't know. But yeah, have any of you guys witnessed any tooth discoloration? Uh, I'd be very interested to hear about that and, and maybe 
if, if you have noticed it, what e-juices have you noticed it happening with? Maybe it's a, a flavoring, I don't know. All right, and then I came across this thread from this guy, Riddlesmith. Um, he has been posting a lot on ecigaretteforum.com. He just started vaping a, a week ago, I think, and uh, he is just trying to get all of his answers, uh, all of his questions answered, and he's been submitting a ton of posts on e-cigarette forum, but um, he already has a really good tip here. He is uh, He's a smoker who usually smokes Borkum Riff Cherry Cavendish uh, pipe tobacco, and he's trying to find a uh, a way to recreate that in e-juice. He has already found what he believes to be a very good way of extracting that tobacco. So what he does is he buys that tobacco that he likes, Borkum Riff's Cavendish Cherry Tobacco. He takes four small spoons of that, adds some water to it, waits for only five minutes, stirs it up, mixes it with VG, a ratio of 80-20, 80% pure VG and 20% tobacco liquid, and that's it. It takes him about 20 minutes, including cleanup, and uh, puts it in his atomizer, and he says it tastes exactly like Borkum Riff, as if it was on his pipe. Most extraction methods that I've read about usually take, I think, four to six weeks, cold extraction, and for something like this to take only five minutes to extract, or 20 minutes total, uh, that's really cool, and I think I'm, I'm gonna try this. The biggest concern that I can think of would be that uh, whatever tobacco you're using, might have uh, bad ingredients in it, dirty chemicals that you don't want. So I'm going to have to search around for some really high quality tobacco if I do decide to do this. One thing that I've been thinking about after reading this would be doing black and milds, which obviously would not be a very clean tobacco, but I used to love black and milds. And, uh, you know, just to try it out one time, I, I'd like to, to give that a shot. All right. So I decided to give this one a test and I apologize for the audio because I'm using my phone to record this. Uh, but I'm gonna go down and make it right now go downstairs. I'm gonna make this uh, Extracted tobacco e-juice. So I actually still have one black and mild left from when I was a smoker This black and mild is at least five or six years old now Pretty old, but there's also a prime time in there. This is a strawberry prime time So we're gonna give that a shot still smells pretty good very dry just added a little bit of water just to get it wet. It might even be too much, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of tobacco there. So I'll let that sit for about five minutes and I'll stir it up and then we'll come back. I have this old Vape Wild bottle that I've cleaned out. This is, I believe it's 10 milliliters, so we'll try and make that a 10 mil juice. Uh, the ratio the guy in the post recommends is 20% tobacco juice and 80% VG. Okay, I'm actually gonna use this paint strainer bag just to filter it out a little bit more, if I can. And that bag caught some stuff too. Uh, that, that actually worked out pretty good. All right, now let's fill the rest up with VG. All right, shake it up and vape it. It was pretty easy to make. Uh, let's see what it tastes like. I've already got it here in my Mutation X V3. It smells pretty good. It smells just like the Primetime. It tastes a little bit like the prime time, but it's not very good. You know, the more I'm vaping it, the more it does, it does taste like a cigar. That's uh, pretty crazy. I would imagine by letting it sit for maybe four to six weeks, it would bring out a lot more flavor, but uh, five minutes seems to do the job. 
All right, let's get back to where we left off. All right, next topic here. This is a post from Battery Mooch on eCigaretteForum.com. It's titled, Do Custom or Double Wrapped Batteries Get Hotter? So he mentions here that a fun way to customize your batteries is to cover it with a sheet of paper with a great design on it under a clear wrap. So he asks, does this or double wrapping to make the wrap more durable cause the battery to run hotter? Uh, this one is actually interesting to me because my batteries are double wrapped. And I only did that because... I was too lazy to take the wrapping off of one of the batteries that had a tear in it, so I just double wrapped it. Uh, I didn't really think about if it would be dangerous or not. Uh, well, Mooch, he ran some tests on that, and he found that with no wrap, the temperature is about 76 degrees Celsius. A single wrap raises it up 2 degrees, 78 degrees Celsius. Double wrap takes it up to 79 degrees Celsius. And a single wrap over a sheet of 20-pound bond paper is 79 degrees Celsius. So the bottom line, the result of that uh, really quick study, he found that really, no matter how you wrap it, it's essentially around the same temperature. So there's really no need to worry about the batteries getting too hot, whether you use a custom or double wrapped battery. So uh, really cool to hear that. And then I came across another thread on eCigaretteForum.com, and this one was titled 18650 Dropped in Water. And uh, I've heard of people wondering if it's safe to use batteries that have been dropped in water. And this person accidentally dropped their battery from a spring-loaded battery charger into a fish tank and is just wondering if there's anything to worry about, if it's going to be okay to use. Um, Mooch actually responded to this one and mentioned that rice... It's not a good way to dry it out because he actually did a study on that and found that it doesn't help at all. Um, but he says that just shake it off, shake the water off, dry it with something absorbent and set it out to dry. And as soon as it's dry, you're totally fine to use it again. And then one last tip here I have. This one is another post on e-cigarette forum. It was titled Annealed versus Non. This person is asking if there's a difference between annealed 316L and non-annealed 316L stainless steel wire. Uh, other than the softness or springiness. The best comment on here mentions that annealed metal means that it's heated to make it less springy and make it softer. If you dry burn the coil, you anneal it anyway. So most of us are vaping on annealed metal anyway. So he prefers to buy annealed wire because it's easier to work with. So really, you're fine no matter what you use, annealed or non-annealed. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. You'll find the show notes for this episode, episode 29, on vapepassion.com. If you want to support the show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash vapepassion. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at vapepassion. I'm also on Facebook. And uh, you can go to my website and subscribe to my newsletter. And that's going to do it. So I hope to see you all next week.